welcome back to the Make It Rain podcast. I am your host, Ryan Carlock, and I'm going to take you on a journey today in this episode, episode number three, um, and I'm going to take you down a road that I think you're going to find very, very interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about time, uh, which is going to be the focus of this episode, but it's going to take us down some rabbit holes into ancient history, and that's my favorite thing to research. It's it's the fire in my belly, if you want to call it that. It's what makes it stirs my soul to sit and wonder about the mystery of our history and, and, and what has happened in the past and how we have gotten to where we are today. I find it very important for us as a society to take into account time. Um, and why it's important is because time is relative. That was proven by Einstein. Time is relative, and it all depends on your point of view. Time in and of itself is a construct. It is a moment. It is a controlled uh, idea that, that brings about a certain perpetual nature within your mind. Let me put it to you this way. Our entire system is built on a 365-day calendar, um, which is basically equal to a circle, 365 days. The cyclical cycles we go through, uh, through our life, are all put together in a particular sequence of events to take us from one point to another. And let me explain. The moment you come out of your parents, your your mom, your mom's womb, um, but the moment you come out of her womb, you are immediately met with one of two things, either the sun or the, the, the shock of being outside the womb outside your comfort zone causes you to cry, or they will pinch the bottom of the foot to make you cry. Um, but if you're not crying and breathing and breathing in and breathing out that air, they've got to make you cry in order to get those lungs to work, okay? So from, your, from birth, the moment you come out of the womb, you are met with shock, and I call that epiphany, okay? Epiphany, when you wake up in the morning and somebody flips the lights on and you can't even open your eyes because it's so bright, that's an epiphany. That's that moment you have that realization of, holy crap, I've been wrong this whole time. Enjoy it. Because what you're doing in that moment is actually discovering something, uh, whether it be just a figment of your imagination, right? Our, Our imagination is amazing because it helps us set goals. But whether it's just a figment or if it's actually tangible and real and something you can prove, you know, with research and actual physical tangible proof, if that's the case, you need to take that moment and realize what's happening. What do you mean realize, Ryan? You need to take that idea and put it into a vision in your head. You need to build a very clear picture of what that is and what it looks like in order for you to understand it. And so in order for us to understand time, we need to understand what understand means, okay? So this is one of those rabbit holes. I'm going to take you on a little bit of a jog. I told you about those in past episodes here. This is where, say, we were running around a track and we were just jogging, and I said, all right, go sprint for 30 seconds. This is what I want you to think about just for a minute, okay? But in order to fully understand something, think of it like a real estate developer. If I'm going to build a building, I'm going to hire uh, an inspector to come, a building inspector to come up underneath the floor of the building to make sure that the the uh, the posts underneath it and, and the the security of the business has has enough 
to to hold the weight of what I'm going to place upon it. Okay. So in other words, you can't start to build a theory unless you understand where the parts of that theory come from. So if you have an epiphany and you start to realize something in a different way, what you need to do is focus on the portions of that, the parts of that, the, the, the working parts of that epiphany and break them down and research them and make sure that your epiphany is true. Because if not, then maybe it's not an epiphany. See what I'm saying? Maybe it's disinformation. And sometimes disinformation is necessary in order for you to build a proper or even more expanded view. Okay. What's up is down. What's left is right is the idea. It's the key. Your perspective is the only thing you have. Okay. We have the moment and we have perspective. We have the ability to think back on everything we've been through and all the lessons we've learned. Okay. Wisdom. So maybe that's why they call it father time because your father sure does have a lot of wisdom. He's been through a lot, but, uh, and we'll get into that later. That's another rabbit hole, but, uh, going underneath the building, checking the foundation, making sure you can place weight upon it. That's all great and fine and dandy. But what you really need to do is build the building on top of that foundation. Now go up to the top. And if you're going to, you know, say, have somebody hang their life on that rope by cleaning the windows, you need to go out there and test it and make sure that that rope has integrity for you to hang on it. So if you're willing to put, to place everything on your bet, you better be willing to bet that even the rope that you constructed at the top is going to be able to hold you. Okay. Off the side. In other words, you, you better be so confident in your theory that if they go off on a tangent and go off onto another theory, you can bring them back to an understanding of where that fits in the puzzle. Okay. So time in and of itself, trying to break down time and perspective is again, a construct, but it's more than that. Uh, the speed of light is what we have always equivalented to time as a way to measure it. But measuring time is again, all just a matter of perspective. And let me give you an example of something I've experienced in my own life that has completely destroyed Einstein's theory of relativity. Because I think, it, I think time, our interpretation of time is a chemical reaction in our brain and our ability to, to take those chemical reactions, whether it be neurons firing or, or the release of hormones inside of our brain, to take that information uh, that we receive from those, from those reactions and place it in a visual manner, whether it be outside of us or inside of us. I'm going to give you two examples here, okay, of what the brain can do. And one of them is my experience, and then the other one is one you've heard many, many times. But um, a couple years ago, man, it's been about five years ago, uh, my dad asked me to go on a bike, uh, biking exercise ride with him because he had been biking heavily for a couple, for a couple years, or maybe, I think it was like maybe just a year. And something in my gut said, Ryan, go. I it didn't work out at the time. I hadn't worked out in forever. I knew I was going to suck win. But something in my gut said, Ryan, you need to go. Even I didn't say anything. I said, ah, you know, Dad, I'll, I'll think about it. I went home. My wife goes, Ryan, you know, you really should go for a bike ride with your with your dad and, and go out there and just spend some time with him. Um, and, you know, okay, yep, I got you for sure. I'm going to go do it. You know, what's the big deal? Just do some exercise. Well, sure enough, we're on this bike ride. And my dad starts going down a hill, okay? 
And this is when I started to become very aware of there's something else going on in this world. Okay. He starts going down this hill and picking up speed and I'm right behind him and I start slowing down and something in my gut told me to yell out and tell him to slow down. But something in my gut also said, but it's too late. So I didn't say anything. And I watched my dad turn the corner at the end of that hill. He hit a pile of dirt because he thought I was behind him. He swung wide to the side of the road instead of going up the middle, which he normally did. And if I would have yelled, maybe he would have known that I wasn't right behind him, but I didn't because my gut told me to, but then also told me it was too late. And as soon as I had that realization, one second later, he hit that, that, uh, that uh, pile of dirt and went directly over the handlebars going about 30, 40, maybe even 50 miles an hour down that hill. Um, it shattered eight ribs, broke his clavicle and punctured his lung. And when he hit the ground, I was coming up right behind him going the same speed, okay? So mind you, I'm traveling 30, 40, 50 miles per hour. And it happened so quickly in a span of a second that at that moment, when I saw him hit the ground, my entire world slowed down like Neo in the Matrix where he bends past the, the bullets. And my whole world slowed down and I could feel my heart beat in my chest. And it literally felt like this, boom. Bum, bum, bum. And in that one, two heartbeat moment, I missed my dad's face with the front of my bike tire by an inch. I, in that moment, was cognitively aware of the situation. My fight or flight senses kicked in. My autonomous nervous system that I can't typically control, now I can. But at that time, I didn't know what was happening, but my entire interpretation and perspective of time slowed down and it was at very bare minimum 10 to 20 times slower than what I normally experience. Now that was my own experience of what my brain did in a moment of crisis. You know, I, my dad, the first thing he hit the ground, oh, you could hear the pain and he, he turns around and he goes, Ryan, are you all right? He just shattered half his body and the first thing he was thinking about is if I was okay, perspective. And when they uh, were putting him up into the ambulance, mind you, eight broken ribs, broken clavicle, punctured lung. He, he told me when, when I went back up there, he goes, Ryan, my ribs are crushed. I punctured a lung. I go, dad, you don't know that. And he goes, Ryan, my ribs are crushed. I punctured a lung. And sure enough, he knew it. Sure enough, he was right. He called every single thing that happened to him. But when they were putting him in the ambulance, one of the guys goes, uh, Mr. Carlock, can you stand up? And he goes, hold on a second, let me think. Uh, no. <laughs> so the whole situation, after he just crushed half his body, he still found a way to have humor in this situation because shit happens. It's life. You deal with it. And you have two choices and a way to deal with it. And that's what gives us the ability to do anything in this world, the fact that we have choice. We actually really have three choices, but we'll get back to that in a minute. We're about 10 minutes into this, and I want to get back on track to time and our perception of it. So that first story was my experience of how time literally slowed down to probably 20 times slower than what I normally experience. I, I can't, I cannot, it was, it, I was Neo in the Matrix. I broke free. I don't know how else to explain it. That, from that moment on, I have found more synchronicity and more, um, 
more experiences, meaningful experiences in my life because my perspective changed. Okay. Now, the second story is one that you've probably heard since you were a kid. And it's how scientifically it's been proven and it's been documented. There was a story of a woman documented um, where she got in a car accident. Her car was starting to you know, catch fire and she got out of the car to get her kids out of the car and the back door would not open. Okay. And the fire was growing and growing and she couldn't do anything. And so she made a choice and she turned around and tore that metal car door off of that car like it was a piece of paper. And this is documented, right? So the ambulance gets there. They ask her how she got the door off and she says, I pulled it off. What do you mean you pulled it off? With your hands? Yes, I tore it off the car. I don't know how, but I did. Now question, how can a woman who is assumed to be, you know, weaker of the two of man and woman, assumed, again, I'm not saying it, I'm just saying some people assume that. How can a woman in that moment tear a metal car door off of a car? Did her bones and muscles and skeletal structure just all of a sudden become stronger than steel? Or is there something more going on there? Maybe her perception of what that door, the the fabric that door was made of, she didn't even think about it. She visualized it as a piece of paper and her body manifested that into existence. Maybe the chemicals in her brain literally changed the chemical structure of that door in that one instant because she broke free from reality and she used her fight or flight, which is basically chemical reaction in the brain from uh, hormones and neurotransmitters firing. Maybe she in that moment, and maybe I in my moment, both in that one moment experienced what it's like to be able to use 100% of your brain. I don't know, that's just a theory. I can't prove that because I can't do it all the time. But for that one moment where I saw my dad laying on the ground, it could have been a 30 minute movie of me watching that front tire skim past his face. I will never, ever forget that moment the rest of my life. It's so vivid in my mind's eye that I can remember step by, moment by moment, the thoughts that were going through my head when he hit the ground. That entire situation is permanently ingrained in my brain, visually, and from a perspective standpoint, I think there was a reason God gave me that perspective of time. Because I can only come to that conclusion, seeing as now I go into ancient Egyptian history and I start to research and find myself deciphering hieroglyphics, because hieroglyphics are based on time. But. The only thing that we have to tell us how to decipher hieroglyphics is the Rosetta Stone. So how can we understand what what the ancient Egyptians were all about, right? What were, what were they all about? Well, one, they, they found knowledge to be the most valuable and most powerful thing you could attain. The more knowledge you have, the more power you have. The Emerald Tablets of Thoth, Thoth was the, their god of Toth, was their god of wisdom, okay? And the Hermes Trismegistus, the, tri, uh, the thrice great, Her, Hermes the thrice great, Thoth. There are different names for this figure, but 
it's the idea of the ultimate wisdom of I've been through everything, listen to me, okay? And one of the words or phrases that comes from that book or from those emerald tablets is knowledge bringeth about wisdom, which bringeth about power, okay? So knowledge is power comes from knowledge bringeth about wisdom, which bringeth about power. Knowledge isn't power. Just knowing something isn't power. Knowing something and using perspective to apply it to a situation, that's power. The ability for us to go left, right, or even up or down. We, as physical beings, can go left, right, or we can go at a tangent in circles. Okay? That's the ancient idea in the Freemasons of squaring the circle. Where in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, he uh, talks about going into the halls of Amente and how he was being chased by demons and how they go in straight lines. And when they would go in a straight line, he would go in a circular pattern. And when they started following him in a circle, he would change to a straight line pattern in order to avoid these demons in the underworld. Okay? So that is Egyptian mythology, and it's all about time. Okay? Squaring a circle is about time. It's about bringing together heaven and earth. Um, we'll get on that in another tangent, but I'm just trying to bring some things into your mind to help you think as we go through this. So if you go back into ancient Egyptian history and ancient Egyptian, if you want to call it mythology, I believe their recorded history was what they were taught. I believe that, that it goes back to Atlantis because that's what they tell us. Um, they have recorded history, like 30,000 years, 35,000 years of recorded kings. Um, that comes directly from from person to person physically, meaning the hall in which the record of kings exists. Every single king, it was a rite of passage for a prince to go into the hall with his father to read the past history of kings and trace his genealogy back to the gods. Okay? So the gods being the Nephilim, um, the fallen angels of the old the men of renown, uh, Thor, uh, god of thunder. Thunder brings back time, right? So these are ancient mythological teachings that we find in every culture, but specifically Egypt took it to the max extent. So if we look at Horus, okay, Horus was the sun god, uh, god of the air, right? Lord of the air, I should say. Horus was... Um, was the, the ruler of the sky, and he would walk across the step in 12, or walk across the sky in 12 steps. And they would refer to it as, this is Horus of the first step, this is Horus of the second step, and these were all points in the sky where they could, they could watch and track the sun, and they divided it into 12, which is where we get our 24-hour day, because if you take Horus and you rearrange the uh, letters, you get hours. H-O-R-U-S becomes H-O-U-R-S. 12 hours in a day, 12 hours at night after sunset, which is Set, the god of the underworld, because the sun goes up around the world, right? Around our plane of visibility, up over it and underneath it is what they thought of, right? Ouroboros, the uh, serpent biting its tail, okay? This idea of cyclical, this idea of, of we, are, we are but surrounded by light because we are light is what they would teach okay so Horus of the first step Horus of the second step Horus of the third step and on and on 12 steps across the sky and <clears throat> the pyramids themselves are a, a set of clocks to to measure 
times and seasons, and the three pyramids are arranged in the belt of Orion because that's where their quote-unquote gods claimed to come from. Okay? So time in and of itself was established back in ancient Egypt, or at least our current interpretation of what time is. Okay? 12 hours in the, in the day, 12 hours at night is the classic understanding. But what we have done is we've also instituted things like daylight savings time, which actually changes time. So as time changes over time, <laughs> as we watch it literally change the way we interpret it, then what is time? It's a construct. All it is, all time is, is a set of principles for you to use as a reference point to get things done. Okay? So, for instance, your mom calls you and says, hey, we're all going to lunch at 12 o'clock. If you want to meet us uh, for lunch, be there at 11.45, and I'll buy your lunch for you. Okay, I have two choices. I can get there at 11.45, my mom will buy my lunch, or I can get there at 12.10, and I have to buy my lunch. Which one are you going to do? Okay? In that moment, you have just done one thing. You have time traveled because you're thinking about the future, and you're visualizing what you want to accomplish. You now have a choice. You can direct. You can control the future time travel okay but you now have made a conscious decision to do one of three things go have your mom pay for it go pay for it yourself or don't go or one of three things i'm sorry did i say two things but um you have one of three options which is the same option we always have you can go left you can go right or you can go at an angle and in circles right so going at an angle and going in circles are really the same thing. A circle is just made up of a crap ton of angles in the same in the same direction, just with the with the corners around it. That's why squaring the circle is possible because a circle, in all reality, is just a very 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 large set of straight lines. You can ask anybody about this in the mathematical field. I mean, in order for you to create a circle or a boros, right? In order for you to square the circle and bring heaven to earth. You have to be able to prove both circular and straight are of the same. So in other words, the classic idea of um, the straightest path between two points is a straight line. Yeah, that makes sense. If you're on a plane, if I'm driving straight on a flat plane, yep, that makes sense. I'm going to go straight there. But what if I could take that flat plane, say a piece of paper, bend the piece of paper together to make a bend it uh, hamburger style, not hot dog. But bend it hamburger style together, and I now, from one side, can bury a hole through to the other, and I don't have to take that straight line. I've now taken a circular route to the same destination by taking a shorter straight line. So that, that is just uh, an example of time travel, right? It's the idea that your choices directly affect the future, because in that moment, your whole world went from flat plane to five-dimensional. When your mom gave you that choice, you literally just went from a three-dimensional being to five-dimensional. Now you have chosen to bury a wormhole into the future and choose what you want to do. Do I want to go and have my mom pay for it and have money come out of her bank account, which may have a subsequent effect that I'm not unaware of? Do I want to go and pay for it and spend the money myself, which will probably have a negative effect on me that I won't be aware of, or maybe I am aware of it? Or do I not make a decision to go at all and do my own thing and leave that timeline alone? See what I'm saying here? If it's true 
that we have, like I talked about in episode two, if we do have the butterfly effect, that decision alone not to go or even the decision to think about it should have an effect on the future somehow. Now, I'm not saying that the butterfly effect is truth. I'm not saying that it's, you know, above all else, perfect. I just think it's a good representation of what happens. And if you want to know about butterfly effect, go back to episode two. But uh, we are at the point now where we're seeing time as a construct and how time can be manipulated. Now, why do you go through K through 12, horse of the first step, horse of the second step, horse of the third step? Why do alcoholics go through a 12-step program? Why? Why did Jesus have 12 disciples? Why was he the 13th? You'd say that's unlucky, but you know what? Unlucky just means it's not by chance. He knew what he was doing. Why 12? Because with 12, you can create circular, but you can also create square. Um, with 12, you can do 1 or 10 plus 2 equals 12, but 1 plus 2 equals 3. And if you know anything about energy and time, you've done some research on Nikola Tesla. And Nikola Tesla himself has said, until you understand the power of 369, once you understand the power of 369, you will unlock the keys to the universe. Meaning, once you understand the power of 3, 6, and 9, and a mathematical and energy, uh, energy propulsion perspective, time perspective, you then have the ability to do whatever you want, okay? Now, I am not claiming that I understand that. I'm just saying that's what Nikola Tesla said. I've researched 3, 6, and 9, and I can only come to the conclusion that it is a rodent coil. It is a self-perpetuating circuit. So if you want to go and Google that, it's rodent, R-H-O-D-I-N, rodent coil. But uh, that's the 369 um, that applied to energy and physics. But if you apply it to time, 369 becomes uh, first choice, then second choice, then third. So your first choice is, I have three choices. I go, I have my mom pay for my food, and I eat for free then you know what? I'm going to pick up my mom's food, throw it away for her. That's six. Three was the first three choices you had. The second three choices are I can get up, throw away my own stuff. I can get up, take my take everybody's stuff and throw it away. Or I can get up and just take my mom's stuff and throw it away for her. You have three choices. What are you going to do? At any moment in your life, you have really three choices. You have left, right, and at an angle or circle. Because they're the same. Angling and circling are the same. It's just a series of repetitive moves. Anybody can take a square and a compass and design anything they want. That's the whole point. You can build a Catholic cathedral with a square and a compass and a piece of paper. Okay? So taking this a little bit further goes into the idea of incommensurability and time as a relative construct, meaning time itself <clears throat> is dependent on the person experiencing that moment, believing that time exists. In other words, I talked about this in episode two. If I haven't seen it, I wouldn't believe it. But it's really the other way around. If I hadn't have believed it, I would never have seen it. So time travel in and of itself is one of those things where you have to take a step back and think, do I believe it's possible? Well, do you have enough evidence? And if not, and if you don't have enough evidence, go research. Where does that research take you? 
sometimes I'll go and I'll research a topic and I'll find myself looking at documents and then I'll go back to social media and I'll see people posting those exact things. I know how that works. Some people would say that's coincidence. It's not coincidence, it's artificial intelligence. They're tracking everything you do and they're bringing back singularity back to you. In other words, they know exactly what you're trying to do and it's and it's your job to be unpredictable. Okay? When you don't choose to go left or right based off the choices they give you and you choose to go at go at an angle. So when you're on Facebook and you're seeing all these ads about the uh, car seat they want you to buy because you told your husband in the car yesterday that you needed to buy a car seat for your for your uh, toddler, a new car seat. And those ads start popping up and you think it's coincidence, it's not. They're listening to you on your phone. Let's use some logic here, right? But when you go and you block that ad and ads like it, you just went at, in a circle or a square. You just took a tangent. You just went off on a different direction and now that algorithm has to relearn what you're interested in. See what I'm saying? So time in and of itself is a construct. Social media has perfected this. What stops somebody who owns a, uh, a platform from going back and changing timestamps uh, on posts? Nothing. In today's technology, nothing stops that. The only thing that does stop that is cryptography and crypto, uh, blockchain technology, okay? But right now, as it stands, all these big social media platforms can literally rewrite history at will. So then what is time? And if they can, if they can manipulate time, not saying that they do this, I'm just saying that they could if they wanted to. They have control. And I know this because I've built these platforms by hand. So I know what's possible just using a free, simple tool like WordPress, which is a content management system, to build a website. I know what's possible just using that. And that is a very basic, very, very basic example of content, content management systems that are used by some of these massive corporations. I mean, the technology that they're using is D-Wave. It's artificial intelligence. It's supercomputers. You give it 9 million different probabilities and access to 9 million different bits of information. You ask it one question, it'll come back with 19 million different possible answers, but it'll give you the most likely one first. Right? So what they're doing is they're predicting what you're going to do before you do it. And that's why... They know if they keep showing you ads based off the things you're talking about, eventually you'll buy something. I know this is starting to go down conspiracy route, but it's all true. Edward Snowden made sure that we knew what was going on with our phone companies and the government, which we all know and we all still use our phones. So as long as you're not doing something nefarious, what do you have to worry about? Right? So we we are we are in a position where the only thing we have is perspective based on the sun. And the ancients knew this. Ancient Egypt knew the sun was the ruler of this world. Literally ruler step by step. Get it? Lay a ruler out. What is it? 12 inches. So, you know, we... The words that they use in our modern society... English is... The greatest and the worst language on earth because it takes bits and pieces of every other language before it and throws it all together in a massive conglomerated mess. That's why people who try to learn English find it very, very difficult to learn because there really is no rhyme or reason. We literally to other people sound like we are just speaking gibberish, right? Well, to you, every other language sounds like gibberish, but until you spent 12 years studying ancient societies and translating 
different languages and you start to realize that they all have commonality. And it all has to do with the way that you form the words in your mouth based on the look and feel of the letters. That's what I've learned. Don't, don't read the letters, look at how they move and emulate that with your mouth. And you can basically decipher anything. And what you'll find is biblioteca is the Spanish for library, right? Where do you find a Bible? If you want to buy one, well, you can find it at a store. I get that. If you want to read one without buying it, where do you go? A library, right? Or, on, you know, that's the idea. So biblioteca, anytime I see bibli, I think book, right? And that's what the Bible is. It's a book. So it's a holy book, the holy Bible, but it's a book. So we need to take a step back and we need to realize that all of our history that our whole world has been through and, and the idea of time goes back to one, one common principle, which is perspective again, but it is the idea that we are just experiencing this world. We can't do anything to change it. That's wrong. The ancient Egyptians knew that when they looked into your eyes and saw the heavens when you were born, I've seen this three times. I kid you not. Three times I've seen my child, three, three children I've seen be born into this world. And every single time when they open their eyes, I see the magnificent glory of the creator in their eyes and the heavens above. Just the deepest, darkest, most unfathomable depth in the eyes of this brand new little baby. You just cannot describe it in words. Their eyes are so big and black, especially when you got the lights dimmed in the room. They're so big and black because they've never seen light before. And, and, and to see the reflection of the lights for the first time twinkle in their eyes, it's like, well, it's like looking at the night sky. It's amazing. It's the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. And the ancient Egyptians were telling us all along exactly what we were. We are, we are made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that. And God said, come, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Excuse me, what? Us? Our? Multiple? We? Group? Okay. So, what, what we need to realize is the power 369, 12, 24, 365, 360, uh, 360 degrees in a circle, right? But 360, 365, I think is where we're at just because of um, uh, daylight savings. And that's, that's another story. I'm not going to go down that road. But to, to come back to the principles of the, of the 36912, you know, it all comes back from a basic principle that we are the beginning. And, and Jesus spoke about this in the Bible. And he said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, when a child's born and they're seeing everything for the first time, they have no preconceived notion of what, what is and what isn't. The only thing that they have is that moment where they're learning something new. And if you get dead set in your ways and you never challenge yourself to grow and to think and to postulate and to, and to wonder and to, you know, research about this world and awe and mystery and to seek questions or seek answers to questions, to knock on doors, hoping that they will open to, to newer hallways of, of, of information. Do you see what I'm saying? 
we have been put into a construct to think, oh, okay, wake up, brush my teeth, go to work, come home, make dinner, sit down, eat dinner, turn on my favorite TV show for two hours, go to bed. And we do it over and over and over and over and over in a circle. And we do 12 hours in the day and 12 hours at night. And we never stop to think, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for money? Well, money just gives me amenities. So is amenity really what makes me happy? And if amenities are not what make you happy, then why do you have that Xbox? Why do you have that Xbox and PlayStation? Why do you have that TV with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime? And I'm guilty of all this. I'm telling you this right now because I have. I'm asking my question. My, my questions come from myself asking this stuff to myself. My higher self, if you want to call it. My, my intuition the wisdom of perspective makes me ask myself questions. Why do we, why do we focus on these things that give us momentary, momentarily, or momentary, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think here? A momentary, a moment of, of, um, uh, what's satisfaction is the word I'm looking for. Momentary satisfaction. Why do we, why do we chase as human beings? Why do we chase? Why do we tend to chase? things that fill a void only temporarily because the void is so vast and deep we can't find anything to fill it because we don't understand we don't even understand why we have it and we have it because we've been given something time thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago as a system to rule by so bear with me here for a second rule what do you mean rule? Like a ruler, 12 inches on a ruler? What do you mean, like rule people? Well, yeah, work day, nine to five. Nine to five till you're 65. Nine, six, five, 10, one. Do any of these have meaning? That's where my brain goes. And you know, a long time ago, I used to think, ah, oh, nothing has that much meaning. Just a few things. You know, maybe maybe there's a little something to this, uh, this occult, you know, 10 years ago when I started. Maybe... You know, maybe there's a little something to this Illuminati. The Illuminati is just a rationalization given a, given a name. The Illuminati is just the realization of you starting to realize it, it, it is self-fulfilled in, in its name because you are now the one being illuminated because you're starting to realize there's more going on. That's what the Illuminati is. The Illuminati is the perspective that enables you to realize there's more going on here and what meets the eye, wait, excuse me, that meets the eye. Maybe that's why we have an eye on the back of our dollar bill, because they've already known for hundreds of years that your eyes are the most valuable thing you have because it gives you perspective, which then gives you the ability to choose. And, and what rulers do is they put you in a straight line and they give you a box that you can draw with it. 12 by 12 by 12 by 12. Right, And inside that box is where they keep you based on words and lack of understanding. And what I tell you at the beginning of this podcast, how are we going to understand if time is real or not? Because we have to understand what is going on in the first place. We have to go deep, 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 deep down underneath the underbelly of what we believe to be true and do our own research to come to a conclusion on what time really is, okay? 
And it's the same conundrum of there's a guy at a, um, I'm going to give you a, a little conundrum here. Uh, John's at the train station in California, and there's a train departing at 9 p.m., and he's expected to arrive the next day at 9 p.m. in New York, 24-hour trip. Maybe, you know, it's a bullet train. You just humor me here. John actually arrives in New York at 8 p.m. How did John get there before the train? Well, he must have time-traveled. Okay, well, let's use logic. Go back, to the, go back to, the, to the conundrum. John was at a train station in California. A train was set to leave at 9 p.m. and arrive the following day at 9 p.m. in New York. John got to New York at 8 p.m. How did John get there before the train? Well, first we have to decide if John actually jumped on and boarded that train. Because that train goes in a straight line. But John was smart and he knew that he could go an hour down the road and get on a plane and that flight would be four hours long. And then he could get there and have some dinner and then show up there and meet his friends because he wanted to get there early. So, within the question lies the answer. He didn't board the train. He took a plane. It's the only, that's the only other logical conclusion you can come to. You don't need proof that he took a plane, right, to come to that conclusion. You can just come to that conclusion because we know how planes and trains work. Planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Because we have perspective. This is all time, okay? Time is a construct. What you'll find is in the summer days are longer and in the winter they're shorter okay but there's still 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of darkness it's just that days get earlier and later throughout the year the time in which the sun comes up over the horizon changes but the split of that sun from the point it rises to the point it sets is always what 12 hours or at least that's what we're told maybe it's not have you ever tracked it yourself? I haven't. Maybe somebody on the internet has. Why don't we go research that? See what I'm doing here? Why not ask the question? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid you're going to find? You know, I was afraid of what I was going to find for a long time. But now that I know what's going on, at least I think I know what's going on. Now that I have some form of understanding, I at least feel better because I don't feel like I'm just a fart in the wind. You know, I at least I at least dropped on the floor as a turd. Now I have perspective, I'm not just floating out there in la la land. And the amount of people I come across who can't see what's going on right in front of their faces makes me sick to my stomach because I realize that I'm alone. Now, you know, I get on Twitter and there are people who see my perspective and understand some things that I understand, but I still know that there is nobody who has a, a worldview even remotely close to mine that I know of. Now, I'm sure there's one person in this whole world who has probably exactly the same worldview from these same experiences in a different place. And that's called doppelganger. How you have a doppelganger? How? How can you have a doppelganger on an earth where you're supposed to be completely unique by your fingerprint? How can there be somebody else out there that looks exactly like you and has been through things that are exactly like you in a different capacity? That's a doppelganger. And those have been proven. Time, chance, there is no chance. Time is our, is our 
positioning of ourselves in, in relation to what's happening around us so that we can build a memory and have wisdom. So when you go back in your memory and you pull out that wisdom and share it with somebody, you're time traveling. Right, that's not time travel. What else is it? You tell me what that is. How can we go back in our minds and recollect information into the future in order to help somebody else understand? How does that work? Where is that information hidden inside of you? Where is it in your brain hidden, just sitting in your brain? Where is that? That you can dig into your brain and find that information, pull it back out like you read it yesterday. How? I don't know. And I don't think I'll ever know. And I've studied the human brain. I've studied the whole human body. I said this in another podcast. I've had to memorize the origin and insertion points of every nerve in the body. And I failed that final miserably because it's difficult. It's complex. There's nothing that we can do to prove how the brain works. We can just describe how it works. Only thing we can do is, is write down what we observe. We have no real idea how it works the way it works. And the more I research it, the more I see that our brain is really just basically an antenna. It's like, it's like it's a TV, an old TV on a desk is your body. The computer chip inside of it is your brain. And the signal sending the TV picture to the TV is what our brain does is interprets everything around us as a signal. Whether it's visual, audio, or audio, uh, whether it's, you know, metaphysical, whether it's sixth sense, third sense. I don't even know if there is a third sense. Probably is. But sixth sense in and of itself is the idea that you can feel something more going on. And that's the idea of you sitting in a car, and everybody's experienced this to a certain degree, and you think in your, or you feel in your gut, I'm going to get rear-ended. And sure enough, you look in your rearview mirror, and there's a car barreling towards you, and you get rear-ended. Okay? How did you know that before it happened? Time travel. So time's a construct. Don't put yourself in a box. Break free from that box. You know, the, these 12-step programs we're given are 12-step programs to reprogram. <laughs> it's that reason. They're called programs. What do you get when you go to church? You get a program. What do you get when you go to a funeral? You get a program. They're, tr they're telling you what to expect. So if the only thing you expect to do is to look at a clock and base your life off of certain times of the day to give yourself the ability to do anything, which you think is freedom, but in all reality, you're a slave. Is time real? Well, yeah. Our perspective is real, and our ability to track things and, and realize that there's cyclical patterns in this universe. There are things that happen. History repeats itself. I was talking to my wife today. Ancient Egypt had had a serious case of amnesia because for hundreds and thousands of years even, their kings focused on the mystery schools and hiding that information away as a mystery to preserve it instead of giving it to their people. And therefore, the priests had so much information available to them that they literally couldn't make sense of it. That's why they decompartmentalized it into mystery schools to try and make sense of all the information they had access to. The ancient Egyptians had a serious case of amnesia, which goes back to Atlantis, which goes back to the gods of old, the men of renown, the fallen angels. When the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and came to earth and took themselves wives, 
who then bore children who were the giants, the, the men of old, the men of renown, the kings of the earth. Kings of the earth? I mean, you go back in any ancient mythology of any kind, and they all, they'll all tell you the same story, that gods came to earth from out there, wherever out there is, outer space, the outer realms, and came into our physical space and commingled with us and manipulated our DNA. It's the same recurring story over and over and over, and even within the story of Atlantis itself, where it basically collapsed in on itself because of the weight of what had they had placed upon it. Atlantis itself was a classic story of understanding. They had so much knowledge and power that they for they forebode wisdom and only focused on pleasure. And in their riches and glory, they mined everything out from underneath themselves in their city. And the weight of their city, all that, those jewels and all that gold and silver and, you know, all those different precious metals that they had access to underneath their city because they were the wealth of the world. All that stuff they pulled out from underneath them placed so much weight on top of it that they had no basis to stand on. Literally, it self-imploded. And in the self-implosion of it collapsing on itself, it caused the largest mudslide in the history of the world. And they, uh, some of the old philosophers, I think it's Plato or Herodotus, maybe, um, says that there's never and never will be another mudslide like what happened when Atlantis collapsed on itself. Okay? Atlantis was a series of rings. Land, then water, then land, then water, then land, then water. Right? So... The fact that the story of Atlantis itself is a, a very deep convicting allegory to there's a point where you can have so much knowledge placed upon a foundation that you haven't made sense of that it can literally collapse your entire theory. So we all need to understand where we, where we stand. <laughs> We all need to understand where we are, have perspective, because perspective is the only thing we've got. We've got the moment, we've got perspective. Time, time is your, your interpretation of, of, of events and, and, and where you've placed them in storage in your memory. That's all that time is. Time travels as simple as you recollecting something from the past. And we've been taught to use that ability to fill it with nonsense about, you know, uh, all the stuff we're taught about and uh, are taught about in school with nothing that's applicable to real life. Why aren't you taught how to do your taxes in high school? Why aren't you taught about investments in high school? Why aren't you taught about banking? Why aren't you taught about um, uh, water and international law? Why aren't you ta- Why aren't you taught about uh, power structures in the world and who controls what? Why do they hide all that from you? They don't want you to know. But it, it, the information's there, and if you understand it, you can come to a better conclusion. And I think by the time you realize it, it'll be too late. <laughs> By then, which I find all the time, uh, I, I am in a situation and I'm studying and I have an epiphany and I realize something, I go and I research it and somebody's already done it for me on Twitter. Man, how does that happen? But I had that same epiphany and sure enough, it shows up on my feed. Okay, that's chance. Because 
or on, that's not chance. That's um, that's synchronicity because it doesn't just happen by chance. We are in a world of AI. You've got to remember everything digital that you interact with has artificial intelligence in it now. So what we think is trying to communicate to us as a heavenly being through our phones, through our you know information that we get. Some people why do, why does a person drop everything they have and drive a thousand miles to shoot up a place? What happens at that moment? But what what is going on there? Can our phones manipulate our brains and make us do things and put voices in our heads? You better believe it. And that's a different story for a different day. But I think it's high time, people, high time, noon, right? Ah, I'll I'll meet you, I'll meet you at high noon, and we'll have a shootout. In other words, put it to the test. Meet me at noon. Let's figure this out. When we both have the, the equal amount of light so we can equally see each other standing out there in the street, so there's no shadows, nothing hidden, there's nothing that you can't see on my hands, you'll see my hand, I'll see your hand, we'll have somebody else say draw, and the fastest man to pull out that gun and shoot wins. I think it's high time we figure out what's going on in this world. My name is Ryan Carlock. This has been an episode on time, my third episode in the Make It Rain podcast. I appreciate you guys stopping in here. Hopefully this helps you think a little bit different. I'm just trying to jog your mind. Just want you to think differently. And different isn't bad because I'm not telling you I believe all this stuff. I'm just asking questions and I'm trying to theorize or postulate or have a philosophical viewpoint to come to a conclusion of what may possibly be going on here. Again, guys, Ryan Carlock, Make It Rain Podcast, Episode 3 on time. We'll see you in Episode 4.